Shalom. Welcome to the Christchurch Jerusalem Bible Study, where we wrestle with God's Word. For more information on the church, to listen to sermons, to contact us, or to make a gift, visit ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Brothers and sisters, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to our evening Bible study at Christ Church Jerusalem. Um, we are studying the, uh, the book of Leviticus as part of our wanting to become better disciples of the Messiah. All of Scripture speaks of the Messiah, including this one. And um, as uh, many of us have said before, this is you know, the constitution of the Bible. Once you get to chapter 19, we're going to get to the heart of God. And Messiah himself has said, the volume of the text speaks of me. And I hope that as we've been wrestling with these texts, we have been able to uh, grasp a little bit more of the compassion, love, and the theology of God and his Messiah. Now, we know that the Spirit is present. Here we are from all different parts of the world, and we believe in a God that is omnipresent, which means he is right with you as he is with me and my family, and his Spirit is present, and we welcome him and we bless his name. And Kate, sister, could you... Pray us in. Dear Lord, we come together again to talk and to learn in communion in the faithful hope that a deeper love of your word grows in our hearts. And we give thanks for the blessings and gifts which you give to each and every one of your children. Some are here who can teach and lead in a way which allows us to grow in our knowledge and faith. Some share the teachings and practice of their own faith. Others have knowledge of languages which widen our understanding of the translations which we use, like Greek and Hebrew. We share and learn from one another's experiences and from those who ask questions which often draw our attention to the never-ending depth of truth contained in the pages of your holy book. Amen. May we honour you this evening with our study. Amen. Amen. Wow, great prayer. Thank you, Kate. Awesome. Okay, friends, here's a summary of our discussion from last week, uh, which includes a little touch-up from some emails and conversations that I had during the week. All right. <clears throat> the Lord continues to speak to Moses. Why Aaron is left out of the conversation, considering that many of the instructions will pertain to the priesthood, is unclear. Moses introduces the first sacrifice for sin. These sins are unintentional or committed in ignorance. This chapter details mandatory atonement for unintentional sins, confession of sins, forgiveness of sins, and the cleansing from defilement. The chapter details four types of people who bring a sacrifice for sin the priest, elders of the community, those in leadership positions, and the common people. We note again that these sins are unintentional, and the later prophets of Israel argue against turning this ritual around to mean intentional sins, and thus they think that they can fool the Lord into sinning, sacrificing, and getting away with it. The sin is against any of the commandments of the Lord no matter the size of the sin, nor the commandment broken. 
And this is very similar to what we read in James chapter 2.10, where it says, if you stumble on one point of the law, you break it all. Interestingly, the priest is called Kohen HaMashiach, the anointed priest. He is not called Kohen HaGadol, the high priest, nor the Bnei Aharon, the sons of Aaron, Levites. When the sin priests, when the, sorry, when the priest sins, his sin is transferred as guilt onto the whole community. A bull, which is an expensive offering and thus probably not performed on a regular occasion, is required for sacrifice. And it is called the korban chatat, the sin offering. I read a commentary that noted that the Septuagint Greek for sin offering was amartia. And it is the same word used by Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Thus, some translations of 2 Corinthians 5.21 read, Jesus has become our sin offering. Okay? Some tra most translations say Jesus became sin. Some translations say sin offering based on the way the Septuagint translates this, this word here. The guilt of the community is taken away through the actions and sacrifice of the anointed priest. Now, this is an incredible theological point within the Torah that one person, okay, though he's an anointed person, can remove the sin and guilt of others. The ritual is carefully detailed, although without any explanation or reason. Blood is sprinkled from a finger seven times before the curtain that protects the Holy of Holies. The animal is carefully butchered, fat and blood belonging to the Lord. The unused portion of the animal is removed from the entire camp and is burnt in its entirety. Perhaps the number seven reflected uh, on the creation week, the rest associated with the Sabbath, the concept of perfection, and the heavenly number, perhaps. Verse 13 declares boldly, if the whole Israelite community sins, well now, how did they all manage to do that? And what does it mean by all? Verse 15 explains that actually the whole Israelite community is represented by the elders of the community called the Zakenim, the root word of Zaken be meaning beard. While the Egyptians, the Greeks, and the Romans uh, had a culture that preferred smooth faces, although there were some that had beards, like some of the wise men, hair became synonymous with wisdom in the Middle East. The elders, later called the Sanhedrin, although that's a later name, okay, acted as a body to provide for the sin offering. Leadership shares in the burden and guilt of sin and also shares in the method and responsibility to deal with sin. Everyone seeing some of the theological underpinnings here? One person, an anointed person, could take away the guilt of an entire community, and the leadership bears responsibility for the community and for taking away the uh, sin of the community. This is an interesting theological and sociological point. There is community responsibility as well as personal responsibility. And leadership take on an extra burden of that responsibility. 
So, brothers and sisters, we should be careful to understand the responsibility of leadership before taking upon ourselves that burden. So, we are going to do our best to finish the rest of this chapter, starting at verse 22. Okay, so out of the four groups of people that are listed, there are two groups to go. Uh, another form of leader, okay, uh, called a nisa, oh, sorry, called an asi, and then the common people. So Leviticus 4, verse 22. When a leader sins, doing unintentionally any one of all the other things that by all the commandments of the Lord, that the Lord his God ought not to be done, and then he realizes his guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring as his offering a goat, a male without blemish, and shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. And then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger. he put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering. He'll pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar of the burnt offering. And all its fat he's going to burn on the altar, like the fat of the sacrifice of the peace offerings. So the priest shall make atonement for him, for his sin, and he shall be forgiven. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally in doing any one of the things that the, that the Lord's commandments ought not to be done and realizes his guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring for his offering a goat, a female without blemish for his sin which he has committed. He shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering in place of the burnt offering. And the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger. He'll put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and he'll pour out all the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. And all its fat he shall remove as the fat is removed from the peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it on the altar as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be forgiven. If he brings a lamb as his offering for a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. And he'll lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. And then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and pour it out for the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. And all its fat he shall remove uh, as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of peace offering. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, on top of the Lord's food offerings. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed, and he shall be forgiven. All right. So, as is our tradition, based on just the Peshat, the literal reading of the text, is there anything there that jumps out or anything there that you'd like us to wrestle with uh, as we go through our study? Yes, Patricia. Why is um, one, like for the leaders, it's a male and for the other people, female? Man, that's a good question, isn't it? Yes. That's, that's one of those glaring things that jumps out. So before, in previous ones, it was like, I don't care whether it's male or female. All of a sudden, male and female becomes incredibly important. And it's got to do with what's a little bit higher uh, and a bit more expensive and what seems to be a bit more less expensive so a lamb is not as expensive as a bull so that's a very good question and i'm going to admit to you right now patricia i have no idea but so i would like the community to give me some assistance as we wrestle with why do you think 
Okay, a female <laughs> is used in this in this operation. But anyway, that's that's an interesting point. I've got written in the notes in my Bible. I've, I've written it, so I must have looked this up when I was studying this. And it says that the, the male goat is symbolic of his power. I'm not sure where I got that from. Ne neither uh, do I. But it's it it is interesting. So we've got two two groups of people. We had the priests, yes, and then we had the elders. Now we've got another group of leader, but a bit down the chain. In Hebrew, it's called a nasi, which is very interesting because that's what we actually call our president. Um, but I'm not, uh, what would be the correct in, in translation for nasi? It's, it's almost like prince, isn't it, R-E-A? But not quite. That's the usual translation. Because hmm. if you had said to me the word prince in English, I would have gone, oh, my gosh, and like the royalty. But somehow in, in, in the Hebrew, in, the, in this list, it seems a little, little down. And he gets... It's, it's not prince in the English sense of a heir to the throne. Yeah. It, it is a leader of the community. And in fact, the messianic figure in Ezekiel, who is seen coming in to the temple area, he is called Nasi also. Nasi. Yep. Yep. That is true. Uh, David, you have a hand raised. Yes, Aaron. I'm... Just curious, on, on both sacrifices, he, he puts the blood on his fingers on the horns of the altar, the burnt, burnt altar, right? A burnt offering altar, and the rest he pours onto the ground at the bottom of the altar. Are, are, are we connecting in any way to the way the Lord's blood was poured out from him directly onto the ground? Uh, that's a good question. There is definitely a change in what you do with the blood. In the previous ones, we got our finger and we did this whole seven seven um, times ritual in front of the parochet, in front of the Holy of Holies. Now we're not even entering the, the tabernacle, right? We're doing all this outside. And there is this you know, interesting thing where we pour the blood out on the ground. I, I honestly, you know, this, I actually had a little bit more information last week than I have for this week. Okay, because a lot of the time, a lot of the questions when I looked around doing my research, I have come up with more questions. Okay, so all right, Yvonne, you got a hand raised. Yeah, the the whole concept of um, verse, you know, thirteen. If if the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally, but in the Hebrew, it's actually actually hidden. So if it's so hidden, then how could the community actually find out what it, what the sin is? And so okay, it's a good guilt, question. Yeah. And then yeah, and then it talks about the guilt of the the priest. So what could the guilt? How could that guilt manifest itself? Um, and then I'm thinking, you know, just places in the Bible where the Lord actually does show sin in different ways, like not bringing rain. When um, David, you know, he, he, and then he remembered, oh, the, the Gibeonites and the whole episode with Saul and the Gibeonites and killing the Gibeonites. So it's just kind of interesting if it's so hidden from the eyes of the assembly, then how does the Lord manifest this to them? That's prophet. Good. Yeah, there you go, Aria. <laughs> we need ourselves a prophet. There are, there are, the Lord uses many different ways. None of them are uniform. And there's never one, 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 one way of doing it. However, all we can say at the end of the day, just like you find at the, at the end of uh, Revelation, is everything that was in darkness comes to light. So, uh, again, you see that here. Things that were hidden or even, even unintentional or, or eventually come up, whether he mm -hmm. discovers it or somebody else, how does it discover? Got no idea, but it is 
discovered. Now we got to deal with it. All right, uh, Andrew, you've got a, a hand raised. Andrew from South Africa. This is to keep uh, Sharon happy. But uh, just the first verse we read this evening was when a leader sins, uh, as opposed to the other groups, the the priest or the community or the ordinary individual is if they sin. This is when the leader sins. So implying that a leader, I'm afraid, is going to commit unintentional sin. There you go. Oh, man. You mean I, you mean I have to let my political leaders off the hook? Oh, man. <laughs> yes. As, as humans, we cannot hold them up uh, anything above their their own our own internal fallen nature which means our leaders will also sin and uh, and this one again as we remember in this chapter deals with unintentional sins it doesn't tell us what we do with our intentional sin and what we saw in some of the later uh, uh, temple periods um, it became the exegesis that you could you could actually start sacrificing for intentional sin which led to the thinking that I could go do something and then all I had to do to get right with God was make a sacrifice. And the prophets come along and say, that is absolutely not the way at all. That was never, never the intention. All right, Shimshon, brother from Nigeria. Yeah, shalom, everyone. I, I realize that um, when you look at those people that have been mentioned, um, they are leaders either from the Cohen down to the Nasir, um, and they, they have a level of influence over the people. And if they continue to do something that is wrong, um, it's going to have um, a trickle-down effect in people's life because people will see them as um, a role model. Okay, the man did it and it was okay, so the rest of us can do it. So um, the Lord is making it clear that um, because you bear that responsibility, you have to um, take a higher level of um, atonement also. Mm, yeah. Okay. Any other comments before we start leaping in to this uh, text? Great. Let's go. All right. So when a leader sins, and as Andrew pointed out, it's going to happen. It's a matter of time. And eventually they will. They'll probably commit intentional sins too, but that's not what we're talking about. Talking about those hidden ones, these, these, uh, these ones that we were that we did in, in ignorance, in any one of the things that, that is against the commandments of the Lord. So whether it doesn't matter the size or the shape, of course, we all uh, acknowledge that there are greater and lesser commandments. The Jewish people do too. Right? They would when when a convert would come uh, and want to join the people of Israel, they would say, "Let's teach him one or two great ones and one or two lesser ones." Like they had a um, uh, uh, a rank, and uh, and there was there was even a commandment in the Bible known as the least of the commandments. Does anyone remember which one it is? I, 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 somebody here knows it. The animal, the 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 the, the bird. The... Yes, keep going. It's the bird. It's yeah. this obscure commandment that you find in Deuteronomy, okay, I think it's first chapter 22, where if you come across a mother and her young and you would mm -hmm. like to take the egg or the young bird, then you have to scare the mother away. And it's just one sentence. And you think, what is that doing in the Bible? 
out of all the commands that God needs to give humanity, okay, to keep us holy and, and united and doing all the right thing, we've got to chase birds away, okay? Um, and, and it's called like the least, but it, but it has, and, but it, it, has it, sh- it shows the heart of God in, in some uh, actually quite deep way. And the way Leviticus reads here is even if you break that one, that's the same as if you break uh, some of the other uh, uh, intentional, uh, uh, unintentional commands. They're all the same. You've broken God's law, just like James says. Break one, wait, one rule, you've broken the whole thing. Okay? And so uh, the, the guilt has come. Okay? Uh, so verse 23, or the sin which he has committed is made known to him. So maybe he didn't even figure it out, but somebody else did, uh, which implies, okay, that sin is something we can see. Yes? It's true. We all know that. And unfortunately, most of us are going to admit we don't like it when other people notice our sins. Um, it's very personal. It's unbelievably embarrassing. Okay? Uh, it, 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 it can cause all kinds of issues between friends and family and uh, communities and things, but it happens. Okay? And it's part of our uh, walk with the Lord. We have to walk out that um, when we, people are confronted either in public or in private, with uh, a personal sin. But once it is made known and he has actually accepted, you're right, I've, uh, I've blown it, didn't mean to, then he goes and he brings, what does he bring? He offers a goat, okay, a male. Here we have now a specific gender. What do we make of the gender and the uh, type of animal? Who are we talking about here, first of all? We're talking about the Nasi. We're, talk- we're not talking about a Kohen HaMashiach or the Kohen Gadol. We're not talking about the Zakanim, the elders. We're now talking about a- another type of rank, somebody a little bit more um, down the, the, the totem pole. Um, what do we understand by a goat? It seems like the, the, the greater the responsibility, the larger the animal. Yeah. Is that um, the, the higher the rank that you are? Yes, the uh, the more expensive your your sacrifice is going to have to be. That's an interesting teaching to think. If you're thinking about becoming a leader of a community, isn't it? Yeah, to him who has given much, much will be. Yes, to him who is given much, much is required of him. Who was next? Uh, Vida. It's just a quick question. As you're going through all of this, my mind thought to today as Christians, as we're going through all of this, if a lead, if, if the Holy Spirit reveals to you whether you're a, a pastor of a church or a bishop of a church or a, a ruler of a, con, you know, a, a Bible school or something, or even just a person attending church, if the Holy Spirit reveals that you've done something which you suddenly are convicted of, yeah. you come, as that person, what you do is you go before Lord Jesus. Obviously, if you've offended somebody, you'll try and make it right. But other than that, you go in prayer to Lord Jesus and ask for forgiveness. So how does the different animals and the different offerings and the different costings apply to us in our Christianity? Because there there must be a relationship Mm -hmm. in that, if that makes sense, But for us as Christians as well. So I was just wondering if anybody has an idea of how in our walk today these different offerings Good question. Okay, so let's take it to the modern day. It's a good good call. Here we are. Uh, some people have leadership positions, and uh, how does it look when things happen with them in their in their lives? Guys, any ideas? 
But perhaps. This is why the RCs, the Roman Catholics, when you go to confession, make you do a certain number of confessionary prayers, right? No idea. It could be. I actually don't know the um, tradition of, um, of, uh, of Catholic confession and, uh, and the way that they do it. But that's not scriptural. That's no, it's, it's not scriptural. No. Confessing to each other is, but not yeah. a number of times it isn't. No. Um. And ultimately, it's the picture, right? I mean, all these sacrifices are the picture of Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, who's the sacrifice for our sins. And like I said, then we pray directly to him. Well, again, okay, I understand the, the theology, which is the typical Christian way of reading it. Jesus is our Passover lamb. His blood is shed for the forgiveness of sins. Right. Once for all, for all time. Correct. 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 But it's 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 you can't turn around and say every single sacrifice is Jesus because there are so many different Yom Kippur sacrifices, so many peace offerings and Thanksgiving offerings. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? Okay, Jesus is the Passover lamb. He has his blood has stopped, has made the angel of death pass away from us. His blood has has given us the forgiveness of sins. That is 100% true. So that there's no longer any need for, for sacrifices, right? Well, what are the sacrifices for? A peace offering has got nothing to do with sin. Yeah, but the sacrifices are symbolic. A peace offering is, a off is your relationship between you and God. And that offering has been made by Jesus because he's given you now access so to So therefore, God. you don't have to give anything to God. Is that true? Well, we give him praise and we worship him and we sure. honor him. Sure, but if somebody wanted to worship God and give him something else, are they not allowed to do so? Yeah, no. your heart, but not a bird. You don't need but to give a bird now, right? Okay, again, we've, we had, we've had this discussion before. Who, yeah. who here likes meat? Most of us. Killing a cow for me seems like a really good idea. I love steak. Why is killing a cow for me good, but as soon as I kill a cow for God, that's bad? But we don't need to do it anymore. No, you don't need to. But that's what free will offerings are. If you wanted to, it, it's, like, it's like setting every day aside as a Sabbath for the Lord. Right. There are some people who feel the call to give everything away, like we've seen in some of, the, of our saints, like St. Saint Francis of Assisi, that kind of stuff, um, who then go and serve. And they do something very different from everybody else. Yet we're all the same. Yet do you think God appreciates their sacrifice? Yes, he does. Um, it, it's, what, what I think we shouldn't do is we shouldn't take what is literally a command and just go, oh, it's just a foreshadow of Jesus and that's all. It is, it is, but it's more than that too. Shimshon from Nigeria. First, um, when we look at the laws of God, there are some things that we, we cannot understand, um, the commandments. Um, in the Hebrew, the commandments are, are broken into three types. There's what we call the Edut, there's what we call the Mishpatim, and um, the, the third one is called the, um, the Kukim. And when you, when, when, you, when you understand the difference with it, within it, then you, keeping the laws it does not become a body on you anymore. The Mishpatim are laws that you can understand why the Lord gives them. Okay, don't kill, don't steal. It's very understandable. Um, you mentioned one of the laws um, about, you know, not um, taking a, a bird with the eggs. And um, I mean, for, for us, it might not be understandable, but those are the... Who came and God expects us to keep it, whether we understand it or not. 
then the adults are the ones that are connected with um, the testimony. Usually it's translated as testimonies. These are the testimony. In other words, they are connected with events like um, Passover. You say, keep this because I brought you out. Okay, mm -hmm. I made you to stay in Sukkah. So keep the, um, the Feast of um, Tabernacle. So those are connected with events. And for those ones we don't understand, um, we just continue to keep it until we understand the reason why the Lord gives it that way. Um, one of the reasons is that um, when male animals are being used for sacrifice, pointing to the Messiah, it's actually um, pointing that the, the Messiah is going to be a male. Um, so that when the Messiah comes, nobody's going to be um, surprised. Oh, he finally turns out a female. I mean, every scripture we've always read say, unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and those other things. So it's always point to a male. And um, from the Torah, he has been speaking about the male and about the male and, you know, going down that way. Um, one of the things I've learned from the scripture that says that um, from the Lord that says you should not take um, a, the hen and the and the chicken, uh, you know, you should keep one, uh, you should keep the hen, but you should can take the eggs or the chicks so that you, you can prolong your days in the land. He said you prolong your days. It's not talking about sin. And the way I see it is more like, um, you know, uh, when you don't eat your profit and your capital. Um, when you don't consume your profit and your capital, you know, when you when you invest, um, you consume your profit, but you invest your capital again so that you continue to be in business all the days of your life. And so I think the Lord is trying to teach us a lot of um, um, powerful um, principles of life through many of these um, offerings and all these laws that if we keep them, then the life is going to be much, much better for us. Mm. Thank you very much, Simshaw. Uh, Roddy, you're next. So to the idea of sacrifices, offerings, and how do we do it? What do we do? I'm going to be on your side with this. Whenever we're going to bring an offering, do we do it our way? Or we just simply look back to see what instructions God has given us. And I would argue we go all the way back to Cain and Abel. One of these gifts, both from the heart, both of them were the best. One was from the meat, one was from the grain. But Abel did it God's way. Therefore, it was accepted. Okay. So I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I hear what you. What, okay, so I hear, I hear what you what you're saying. Worship the Lord in the way He told you, and uh, which is probably one of the reasons why in in some liturgies they 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 start the service by saying, "Lord, help us worship You in spirit and truth," because that's that's what you, Jesus says. I need worshipers who can worship Me in spirit and truth. And you go, okay, well, let's try and do that. Yeah, worship the Lord in the way, way he said. Okay, who was next? Uh, Vida. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, asking that question about the different level of sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Because when we come to repentance, I, it just really made me realize if, if you are called into a higher position for the Lord, much, you know, much is expected. It says if um, much is um, expected, if, much is given, much is expected. And also, if you are, if the Lord has given you a position, surely in doing that position, there's a lot more of a sacrifice, okay. accountability. Um, you are held to a much higher degree. So this really made me really be, you know, we talk about, yes, if you're a pastor and don't be, many become a teacher. But this, just reading it through with all these different levels has really made me uh, perceive it more that 
a pastor really has a, a, such a much more higher burden responsibility than the layman in the congregation. Yet they all will sin and they all have to come before God, but with everything yeah. that they have, but within the calling God has given them. Totally. Yeah, yes. We are all treat, we're, we all have exactly the same value before the Lord. Male, female, Jews and Gentiles, slave or free. He considers each of us of, of infinite value that he would be willing to die for. It's fantastic. He has given us each a calling, and each of those callings has a different responsibility. And many times in the text, including in the New Testament, there are uh, different levels are required from different people. I remember when I was being ordained. Now, for those that might not know, in podcast land, I was ordained uh, as an Anglican uh, by the Bishop of Bolivia. And uh, when in, during my ordination, uh, yeah, Brazil was smiling there going, Bolivia, hey, yeah, what a, what a crazy country that one. No, that's not, he, he was great. He was a missionary, missionary dude. During my ordination, he sat uh, opposite me and he had his, the little white collar that we have to wear sometimes, okay? And he said, um, you know, when you put this on, your sins are 10 times as worse as everybody else's. And you're like, what? How does that one work? One sin's a sin, right? No, when you sin, you're taking Jesus's name in, 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 in down into the mud. Okay, you know everybody expects everybody else to sin. Okay, everybody else is going to steal from the bank and embezzle money and sleep with their secretaries and blah blah. But when you do it, that's bad. And and uh, you sort of sit there and you go, oh, okay, do it. I disagree. Uh, of course you, of course you can disagree. But th- what I I would disagree with you is that when you're held to leadership, yes. when you're a teacher, more is expected. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that that is um, uh, still true because I think it's a biblical, biblical principle. Okay, uh, Yvonne, Brazil, come, come and replace Bolivia for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, it's interesting about the collar. It's, I think that's so fascinating, the, the, the white collar, really in the concept of the being a slave to Christ, but um, you know, just the whole idea of these, you know, I'm always so fascinated, of course, with the, with the levels of, of uh, responsibility and, and um, accountability. And it's just interesting because you have lesser, you have a lesser, uh, not as important category of people. And so it's in the blood is not brought as near to the God's throne room. And it's just put on the horns of the, uh, it's put on the, the, um, the in the courtyard, right? On the altar of burnt offering. So not only the, um, the placement as, as you know, that's why like leaders, leaders sin when you're a leader. And of course, a, the congregation as a whole, you have a greater animal to do a greater act of cleansing that penetrates even further into the Holy of Holies. So the higher you come into leadership, the more penetration it gets into the, Alpanim, right? And God's presence in his face, and it must be repugnant. Of course, all of us sin and, and we're all highly accountable for that. But you can tell as the leaders, as the, the higher the command of authority, the greater the animal and the closer the offering uh, is shed in, in, into the Holy of Holy. Yes. And when you put that into the sacrifice of Yeshua, if you're going to take away the sins of the entire world, mm-hmm. or the past, into the future, what type of sacrifice are you going to need? You're mm-hmm. going to need the highest sacrifice. You're going to need the ultimate sacrifice. You're going to need the most perfect sacrifice. And the only mm-hmm. one of those is the Son of God. Yeah, is God Himself? Mm-hmm. Is uh, is Emmanuel? And mm-hmm. uh, and and so the patterns are always being set up there 
in the text. Okay, who was next? I've actually run out this participant. Uh, Sharon, were you next with a little hand? No, Peter again. It's me, Aaron. Oh, it's David. First of all, I think I'm briefly on, on, on the higher levels of sacrifice, etc. It's, it's, perhaps it's also in, in, in your representation of the Lord. The higher your position, the more you're going to represent the Lord. For example, Moses represented the Lord to Israel. But when he struck the rock, he had an issue, right? He could not Correct. get Okay. Yep. Okay, I'm moving on from that. The idea of burnt offerings, I was, con I, was, I was thinking about this, is that in all of this, it says after each burnt offering, you are forgiven, right? That person is forgiven. Correct. There's going to come a time when Israel has an issue, when they rebel against God, and he's going to say, I don't accept your burnt offerings anymore, right? Mm -hmm. now, it, can this be married up or, or seen in a pattern when Lord Jesus himself says, even though we, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, it says you are saved, is it possible that we, in this, the rejection of this, if you rebel against the Lord, we see it in the five virgins that don't come to the Lord, that are rejected. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, because that, that, that story with the virgins is very interesting, David, because they're part of the community. And yet they're the, yeah, that's very interesting. Let's also... Keep in, in mind, these are for unintentional sins. We are still always going to have to deal with the unspoken word with, well, how do we deal with our intentional ones? I said, well, it's not going to ever be animals. But, um, but it is interesting that there, there came a time where we had so twisted the words of God and so twisted the ritual and made it something that never was where God says, I'm not accepting these, these, these sacrifices anymore. Forgiveness is not going to come out, out of this. And, um, and that must have, well, one would hope that that would be a shock from the prophet and then that would, we would then respond with um, repentance, which was what we were always meant to respond with, right? That was always the, 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 the thing, that uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for I'm coming, coming soon. Sharon from Canada. Yeah, so yeah, just the concept. Yeah, I get like I agree with the concept for sure. Like Yvonne put James 3 1 in this in the chat that uh, so don't not many of you should become teachers because we will be judged more strictly. So if that if you're getting at that versus the idea that sins, you know, if you sin, you know, one type of sin and I sin one type of sin, you know, we're both responsible, but for sure. But then I think there's a deeper concept too in the New Testament that's taught that we are all like everyone on the Zoom, everyone in podcast land are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood a holy nation his mm -hmm. own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people but are now the people of god who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy so i think there's an element where you know and in fact in the new testament principles isn't there you guys can confirm or deny <laughs> that the laity is actually to be trained and equipped by you guys so in fact you guys are training us anybody in positions of power or leadership within this group are I, training us to do the work not sit and watch you do the work i just realized where your thought pattern was going okay because <laughs> there you were doing different levels of judgment and all of a sudden we've come into the male and female thing uh, where with, with, with the because the, the male and female offering uh, sacrifices here, and then that males would have to um, train uh, or, or, or females. I don't want to say that out loud because I'll get into all kinds of trouble in public. Um, okay, uh, but God loves God loves everyone absolutely. He has He has callings for all of us, males or females. 
slave offering. But it is interesting that these that there is a pattern here where certain groups have to do males and certain groups have to do females. And um, uh, which and and why? I'm I'm not going to be able to give you an answer because I, I just cannot figure out why there would be a difference uh, in this. Particularly if you want to keep relating Jesus, who's a male, to a lamb who's a female, for the common people, you know. Once we do male bulls for the leader for the priest, male bulls for the the elders of the of the land, uh, male male goats for the other leaders. But once we get to the common people and we're females, well, what happened to our male Jesus? I I, I it's not I'm not one hundred percent sure, except to say that there are patterns being sent up set up that help people to learn the intention and heart of the Lord, that make them ask questions. Why are we doing this? And what is this actually for? Where is this setting me up to? Uh, lots of opportunity to talk. Uh, let's also remember it's very expensive. Okay? It's incredibly expensive to do this. You are not doing this all the time. You just There's just no possible way. You will run out of animals. Okay. Um, how, how many sheep? Uh, does uh, do they does, does a sheep give birth to every year? You just can't keep killing five, six, seven yeah, sheep. Yeah. yeah, you are gonna run out, and so it becomes something very interesting. Not something you do all the time. So it's it, you've got to really think through why are we doing this, and that gives the opportunity for hopefully the teachers to explore, explore what is God actually really trying to teach me through this. And uh, and and what is the what is the is the Torah Torah teaching? I think we've looked at some of it, where we saw that um, there is the possibility for the for an anointed person to shed blood for the sins of others, which which shows up later in Second Nebel period books, and then obviously in New Testament, and uh, the burden of leadership and responsibility that we have as leaders, if you happen to be shepherds in in the community, um, and here. Uh, with the next, the lower guys down, down the down the totem pole, who have a the opportunity to present a less expensive offering because God knows that you're not rich. Isn't that also nice? It's not out of reach. It's not that God turns around to somebody, you know, and says, "Aaron, the only way that you can atone for your sin is you have to buy a Tesla." And drive it for six years. And you're like, oh my gosh, Lord, that's like ninety thousand dollars. I can't do it. Oh, okay. How about a VW Golf then? You know, <laughs> you know I've, I've looked at your bank balance, and you're absolutely right. You can have a bicycle. You know, uh, it's it's uh, God knows his God knows what you can and cannot do. Uh, uh, Kate, you've got literally a hand up. Well, my, I keep putting my hand up and it keeps disappearing. I think somebody's flicking it away. Lord, <laughs> doesn't want me to ask a question. Um, I, I was thinking right from the, from the get-go when you read the piece out, why are female um, animals less valuable when females are the ones that produce the children? You can have one male that can, can make dozens and dozens and dozens of females but you have to have the females to, to propagate that number of people. And also, if you've got goats, they produce milk. Yeah. So they're continually valuable to a family or to someone, whereas if you have a male goat, you can just eat them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah, essentially. They're, they're pretty only good for one thing. But so I, I don't understand why 
unless you're a farmer, they might be able to explain it better. But yeah. I don't well, know. Maybe some farmers will be able to send me a few emails during the week and, and, and give me some ideas. I'd like to actually um, go back to a point that uh, Andrew uh, raised in chat, which can't be seen by um, a podcast, but I'll, I'll read it out. It discusses the, remember, we are dealing with unintentional sin. And, and, um, and he, 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 uh, he writes, we might consider what unintentional sin might look like today. Excellent. The church seems to focus on intentional sin. Unintentional sin might reflect complicity, anti-Semitism, for example, or the bystander who might choose not to assist. I could do more to reduce my ignorance of acts of complicity. And that's a, a very humble statement. Thank you very much. Very nice. Well said, uh, Andrew. All right. Uh, David, you have a hand raised. Yes, Aaron. Uh, back to the, the idea of it being costly. Surely that is also that is part of the purpose of the law of the Torah, okay, to, to, to provide a form of motivation to do that which is right and righteous, right? And if, if I transfer that or I put it on, onto our, our walk with Lord Jesus today, is that not uh, a, the motivation for us is to take up our crosses and to follow the Lord, right? And the costliness of that, and, and I'm, I'm trying to marry the motivation of of the costliness of that. So, I, in other words, if if I'm in the in in, in Torah, I mean, I'm back in those days before Lord Jesus, uh, that would motivate me to not sin because it would be very costly in the form of animals, etc. Right? But but that's on a physical level. How does that help me not to sin in my heart? That's a very good question. Yeah. And um, that would be actually that that would be a very good question. Does any of this actually stop you from sinning? And what would be the obvious answer? No, right? You know, just the the sheer knowledge that you know what because this is for unintentional sin. We have we haven't even gone on to what do you do for my for the stuff that I just that I willfully do. Yeah. Um, this is for something. This is this what 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 is. What is the realization that you have sinned before the Lord? What does that do for you psychologically? What does that do for you spiritually? What does that do for you socially? We'll, we'll, we'll focus on those in a little minute after I've gone through the next couple of hands. But those are those are what we go through. What does coming to the knowledge that I've sinned do for, for the worshiper? Because these are worshipers. If you're not worshiping the Lord and you have no desire, to have a relationship with God, what do you care? Somebody comes along and says, you've sinned, and you go, great, you're going to do it again tomorrow, you know? Well, you need to offer a goat. Absolutely not. Thinking of stealing yours, actually. You know, um, what is it about the guy who's actually willing to, to give something up to make right with God? Where does that come from? What's that tell you about the heart of the worshipper and or ourselves? Okay, Shimshan from Nigeria. It takes me back to what happened in the book of John when John the Baptist um, had the Pharisees and the leaders of the of the community coming for 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 um, for mikvah for the baptism, and yeah. it's, it, 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 didn't, it didn't just congratulate them. It, it, it challenged the 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 practice of that day. That it's not about you just coming to observe this. That you must produce fruit worthy of repentance. 
that it's not about all the rituals, it's about fruit of repentance. But he was very harsh with them. He said, you brood of vipers. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. what it brings to my mind. And um, for kids, you know, I just have um, a scripture when you talked about the female animals and the male, the male produced this much. Um, Jacob had a very intelligent um, balancing on the female and the male, you know, when he was giving gifts to his brother Esau. He gave 200 female goats with 20 he goats. And um, it's believed that this um, 20 he goats are capable of, you know, managing the production when it comes to um, this. And also 200 areas with 20 rams, you know, you could see that difference again. The 200 ewes are, are going to be managed by the 200 rams, and you know it goes down like that. Um, you see it in Genesis 32, I think from verse 14 um, down to verse um, um, 20. You, you just see all those instructions. So it, it gives us a very pretty idea of what the the male to female husbandry, animal husbandry, was in that time. Excellent. That was very, uh, was very um, poignant, I think, on John the Baptist, where he got down to the heart of the matter. He says, this is not ritual. I need fruits of repentance, which you don't have. So get away, you brood of vipers. You know, like he, he was quite the fiery uh, preacher. Okay, Yvonne, Brazil. Yeah, just thinking about the whole concept of leadership and authority and how much more you're held accountable. I know here in Brazil, a lot of times people say there's an expression, pecadinho, pecadão, little sin, big sin, it doesn't matter, you know, it's, it, it, but it, then I just started trying to understand more about that and how the level of sin and how, how much we're exposed to knowledge and understanding does really make a big difference. I, I always think of Dante in the book, right, the different levels of hell, but, um, you know, one thing that came to mind as we were talking about this. And uh, I was thinking in the New Testament, Matthew, of course, this is more for intentional, but um, how, how, it, how um, uh, it's like so strong, the more, you know, the more position, right, the more responsibility, as well as big, as, as well as communities at a large, because you have this where, where Jesus says, you know, woe to you, Chorazin and Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would, would have repented long ago with sackcloth and, and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And so it's interesting that not only as leaders, but as, as communities, and um, here we have you know a couple of communities that are exposed to more knowledge and understanding and works through Yeshua, uh, they're going to be held more and more accountable. Wow. There's a lot there. Thank you very much. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm just about to quit my job now because I'm being held accountable, just so you know. <laughs> no, that's not true. But thanks, Eva. Uh, uh, Janet from Canada, Vancouver Island, in fact. Yeah, I'm just relating to a couple of things, um, partly to what Andrew said. And going back into this, this time, when the Lord reveals an unintentional sin, then he sort of spotlighted something in your life that you say, okay, oh, well, that was unintentional, but now I know what that was. I won't do it again. It's sort of like, it's sort of like a sensitizing of, of the heart, which I believe 
that the Holy Spirit does now in us that we didn't when we didn't recognize something um, that now we, now I recognize that it's it's like there's very high standard and the sort of when it's unintentional and and then it's exposed in you either by the Holy Spirit or back then the community became aware of it then what was sort of hidden is revealed you know I mean it was now we could be convicted of something and not have to have it expressed publicly that oh I I I was holding an attitude um, or I was you know I was doing this but there it was and it was sort of showing that you know even those in authority could could sin there's yeah. it, there's no exceptions I find it interesting Janet that here we have an unintentional sin that is brought to light so the community knows. Mm-hmm. So now this is a community issue, not just an individual guy. And the community is also going to have to deal with this. So, yes, the individual guy might go and offer a sacrifice, but what are the other guys going to do? How are they going to relate to him? Are they going to be honest and kind and forgiving? Are they going to go, he's done his penance, I'll treat him normally now? Do they actually forget or do they remember? Yeah, it's very interesting. What happens to us? Forgive and forget. Well, do we? We would like to say that we do. I have a suspicion that there's only one person who chooses not to remember, and that's God. Um, and uh, and so it's it's I I, I think it's it's incredibly interesting. What we we are dealing with a relationship. There's a group of people. There's different ranks. Not not ranks in terms of value, but ranks in terms of job function. Some people are priests, some people are teachers, some people are administrators, some people are uh, the, the hands-on helper. You've got this worshipper who realizes that he has done something to offend his God. Does he love God? Yes. Does he feel the, the burden and weight of, oh, my gosh, I've done something that the Lord might not be happy with? And, and what can I do? What should I do? Do I even want to do it? And so there's this. We, we often look at these things as just ritual. I'd actually take it a, a little deeper and actually go to the heart of the matter because that's where Moses said, write the Torah on your heart. He didn't say just keep it on words of stone. If, if, if the worshipper did not love God, if the worshipper does not want to have a relationship with the divine, he doesn't have to do any of this stuff. If he doesn't believe in sin, believe in God, believe in creation, believe whatever, okay, he can just leave it alone, but he doesn't. And he says, okay, I, 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 will, I will try and make this right. But I've actually not only got to make it right with God, it's now come to light. I'm going to have to make it right with everybody. And everybody's going to have to make it right with me. Isn't that also an interesting thing? And so there's a lot more issues here that sit, that sit in, um, in this. Remember, when you read the Bible, it's not just what's written in the text. It's what's not written. That is just as important. In fact, sometimes maybe even a little bit more so. Um, and because uh, uh, and, this is unintentional and for forgiveness, yes. When, what are we going to do for intentional? Well, that's a whole nother ballgame. Vida, David, somebody from sunny England. It's me. It's a question for today regarding unintentional sin. If I have murmured against somebody and etc a person i know a believer for example and and i've offended them the lord tells me i've offended them right is it right for me to tell that person the truth that i have said something against them uh, 
knowing that, that I might provoke a bad reaction, or is it sufficient for me to say, Lord, I am sorry, I, I have sinned. Please forgive me for that unintentional sin because I've spoken or I spoke, to, maybe I've spoken to another person about somebody, etc. Must I confess the sin to that person and to the Lord? Okay, that's an that's a interesting question because, uh, I mean, obviously if we create a rule, as soon as we create a rule, you know, what, does, what are the non-rules that we need to start talking about? <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, yeah, people will be like, Aaron, please shut up. You know, we get it. You're really annoying me. But um, the, the, it's, a, it's a really it's an interesting question. It's about, I think, again, David, it's relationships. I have a relationship with God and I have a relationship with my brother. And, yes, we, we will probably all admit and all probably be able to, to know of a time when there are times where you just say, actually, it's best if I just hold my tongue because I really don't want to hurt my brother. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and for right now, I'm just going to have to hold this one and burden and, and me and the Lord are going to talk. Perhaps he will arrange a situation and, and, and to, to clear it up. And I'm, if we're all honest, there are probably people in all of our lives that we pray, one day, yeah. Lord, could you please engineer a little meeting with me and so-and-so. Um, and if, if it ever happens, to turn my brain on so that I actually recognize what you've done as opposed to miss it. Um, but, but, yeah. It's a, Jesus it's a, tells us to seek out those who have something against us, whether it's justified or not. Yes. Yes. So there is that relationship with each other. So that is if they have something uh, against us. In this ultimately to ensure unity and love. And so as long as what you're doing is not going to do something that will divide the community or is not going to spark something in somebody who had no knowledge of what you did, in a sense, you're keeping that unity. But again, it's your relationship with the Lord. And the Lord will, if he tells you, he will also reveal how you should deal with that, I think. Yeah. Right. I mean, we are, we're dealing with sins that, that all, in, in here that also become revealed to the community. There might be against people in the community. Well, that's going to have to be dealt with too. But these are uh, but the, the, the community somehow becomes tainted in some way. Maybe it's just only psychological. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe all kinds of things. But it, it's something that we all have to deal with. And Jesus has the way. Is it go to your brother? Does he not? He, yeah, as REA pointed out. Go get this sorted out. Get it, get it sorted out. What Aria said there, I've always understood it. If, if your brother has something against you, you yeah. go and sort it out. But if you've found, if the Lord's revealed you've got something against your brother, that's slightly different. Okay. Well, he's, he's, he tells us to seek the sinners out as well. We start with a private rebuke. Yeah. Sin always involves relationships and clogs them up. And I think we could actually say that the, the point of all this is to restore the flow of love among all people and, and their yep. creator. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I, yes, and I can even see it here in this, even in Leviticus. It's like, why does the guy even bother? Because he also loves God. He also loves his community. Okay, Teresa, uh, you're up. Teresa from sunny England. Hello, from London. Yes. Um, I just wanted to, to, I was thinking about what it actually means to us now in our lives, this unintentional sin. And I was thinking, you know, we can do things, are they called sometimes sins of omission? But when you're in a community and someone is being hurt, 
maybe by you or maybe by the whole community. And the people don't realize that they are doing that to that person. It might be that, you know, they've been, say, in hospital or suffering from bereavement or something, and they have felt totally neglected by the community. Now, we know that that is against God's wishes He would because he tells us to look after the vulnerable, etc., etc. But people sometimes do it and just don't realize that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And and I was thinking that is a way in which we can all fall very easily if we're not alert to our relationships within the community and our sensitivity to people within that community. And of course, outside, but I'm thinking about the church community for a moment. So that was that was just an, a, an idea as we were debating how, what it means to us today. And I think that's one possibility where you could say, well, I didn't do that intentionally. I didn't even think that you would want me to visit you or whatever it was. Right. Yes. You didn't see my need. You didn't see that I was struggling to feed my people. You did it for yeah. me. And that's what I was thinking of, exactly. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. just Jesus that. in Matthew 25. Uh, Yvonne from Brazil. Yeah, um, going back to to what it you know, what an unintentional sin could have been at the time. I think of the, again, the story of the Gibeonites, how they lied to the congregation of Israel and said that they were, you know, um, you know, came with old bread and and ripped clothing. And and actually they were, you know, so Israel believed it. Uh, They didn't know the lie. They aligned themselves to this pagan group of people. And every time that the Gibeonites would get in trouble, they'd have to go and, and make an alliance and fight with them. But on, on the other hand, them, you know, the, the community of Israel not knowing the Gibeonites were lying, but at the same time, then they became the, the water carriers. They would carry the things for the temple. And actually later, this terrible thing, this mishap and this unintentional sin and this lying actually later became a blessing to the Gibeonites because they became they, they actually served in, in the temple. Well, so, the, the, the Leviticus here, what is what is repentance and, and here sacrifice uh, achieve? Right? For unintentional sin, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. No? What does what does the Lord say? And you will be forgiven, not uh, and you won't be. Or I'll roll a dice. If I roll a six, you're lucky. You know, it's um, it's 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 solid. Mm-hmm. You will be forgiven, and I think that's one of the blessings that when God speaks or says right right from the start in the, in the Hebrew Bible, you will be forgiven. That mm-hmm. same power. Right, goes all the way through into the New Testament, yes. And so, when Jesus says, "You are forgiven," and if you forgive the sins of others, they are forgiven, not not kinder, or only if I feel like it on a Wednesday, um, you know. And it's and it's always one of the, um, it's actually a privilege of the part of the worshiping community when the. Uh, for those that go to liturgical services, there's a moment of, of public confession. Yeah, you can confess your sins one to another. Well, well, actually, we do it in a sort of very public way. But then the, the guy gets up and he, the priest and he does a, what's called the assurance of forgiveness. He's not the one doing the forgiving. He's reminding everybody, guys, have the assurance you really are actually forgiven because he said so, right? And dang it, he's been saying so ever since the beginning. And uh, which is very nice. And it, it gives us hope, you know. If there is no yeah. hope, 
There's nothing else we have. Yes, uh, yes, we live in a hopeless world. The the gospel has this thing called hope that it can present to the world. It's an incredible treasure, and and I've, I've mentioned it a few times in services at Christchurch, um, where I, I, when we, when it comes to the to doing the forgiveness and the confession of sins, I'll say, people come to church, they believe in God, they love Jesus, they know He's real, yet somehow they can still wander around life without the assurance that they are forgiven. They can still believe that they're not quite worth it. And one of the privileges of, the, of, the, of the, the preacher and the shepherd is to say, no, listen to the words of Scripture. Listen to God himself. You, know, you're, you are forgiven. You're of infinite value. The Messiah has risen from the dead. This blood is real. Right? Uh, and, uh, and that can give a lot of hope. There's there is therefore no more condemnation for those who walk. Excellent. There is no more condemnation. And so here you have um, in Leviticus this, this it's unintentional, but it, it ends up with restored relationship. It ends, it ends up with people um, having a feeling so, sociologically and psychologically, politically, geographically, and biologically, however you want to go all the ologies together. They're all, they're all, they're back together. They're combined. They're united. They're, uh, God uh, has, has come back in to the picture. Um, it's a blessing. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a stress reliever. It's all those kinds of things. Um, although I'm also going to say that it probably wasn't done as, as much as everybody thinks that it was. Very expensive to find yourself a goat or a bull. Remember, a lot of the cheaper offerings were the flour that, uh, and uh, the wheats and the grains. Those ones were done a little more than the other ones. That's not to say that at Passover we didn't offer a, a, you know, 100,000 lambs. We did. What is God trying to teach through the words uh, of Moses, through the calling that uh, we find in Leviticus, is that it, it, we all stumble, we all fall unintentionally and deliberately. And when we come to the realization that we have offended against God, then, then we, there's this desire, do you want to make restitution? For us, we have the ultimate sacrifice. We have the, the blood of the Lamb. We have each other. We have the gospel and the spirit. And I hope the assurance uh, of forgiveness. Um, I think there's a, a lot Amen. here. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and I think there's a lot here that also teaches us about the responsibility of leadership and the burden of shepherds. And that means, you know, one of the things, why should we pray for our leaders? You know, pretty darn responsible. Do you want a good leader or do you not? Hopefully the answer is yes. So pray for your shepherds. I think it, I think this chapter is a is a great one because it sets up the theology that says uh, you can actually one person can 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 make a sacrifice for the sins of others, and that's a pretty big deal. That just shows up in Leviticus four. I mean, pretty amazing. And this idea that even if if you're poor, God knows you're poor, so He's not going to require you to um, sacrifice a bull. And he, he knows who you are, and uh, and that also shows uh, also the wisdom that uh, that comes from heaven. But they they are all achieve the exact same result, which is forgiveness. Rich, poor, young, old, male or female, they all they all get back into a right and restored relationship. Hallelujah.
Israel, when they were in, in the Galut, when they were in, in Babylon in exile, it's, I, I love this. I think it's so interesting. He's, you know, God commands them to pray for the leaders in, in Babylon because their peace will be your peace. So I know not, not all of us love our leaders. <laughs> <laughs> You're not talking about America there, are you? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of our countries have issues. Our, uh, in in uh, Just letting you know, uh, Brother Shimshon, uh, we've been praying for Nigeria recently because the world keeps forgetting that Africa is, is suffering and the, our brothers and sisters continue to suffer down there. And we're so sorry. But keep up the, keep up the courage. Don't, don't stop. Yes, thank you very much. Um, it's, it's quite, I mean, when you, when you see the atrocities that has been committed down here, you expect that um, people all over the streets of um, New York or Paris and places will be making a lot of noise about it. But you're so surprised that it's just a um, pin drop silence everywhere. And, um, yeah. But we yeah. know that it's the, because there have been a lot of prophecies about Nigeria. I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus and um, what we are supposed to accomplish. And I, I see all this as, um, as trying to attack the, the, the prophecies and um, the, the purpose of this nation. And um, we pray yeah. that um, God will raise his people and um, we will fulfill our purpose, especially in Africa, to bring the continent to Christ. Oh, man. Please do. Yeah. Awesome. Are, are you safe where you are, Shamshan? Yes, yes. Um, Abuja is the capital city. It's um, very safe. I mean, um, most of the um, the presidents, the big politicians, they're all here, so they won't let anything come this way. But people living in remote places, um, especially Christian communities, have been really devastated by these attacks, and um, it's it's quite sad. All right, guys. We will pick it up again next week, beginning Leviticus chapter 5. Blessings. Thank you for listening. Our sermons and Bible studies are on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Sermons can also be found on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook for alerts on live streams. If you are blessed by these teachings, please prayerfully consider giving toward the work of Christchurch. Visit ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Blessings from the City of the Great King.